Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where those who think outside the box can create unique football bets from a combination of markets. Create your best bet with the innovative BetVictor Bet Builder. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, everyone. What's up? Chelsea fans, I hope you're all feeling good. This is Xavier Mbuyamba. Are you listening to the Blue Day podcast? Enjoy. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. And oh boy, what a week it has been for Chelsea Football Club. This is the Blue Day podcast, and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a blue day. And I know for many Chelsea fans, they are feeling blue at the moment, and we are completely the same. I am your host, the creator, the man with a face for podcasting, Keith Lawrence. And joining us this week, he's back from his long sabbatical. We're going to go old school today, and to do that, is going to be our, our old co-presenter of the Blue Day podcast. He's the ticket guy, but I'm not sure whether he's going to have that name for much longer. He's your friend and mine. It's Warren. Warren, we're a few days late recording, um, <coughs> partly because of the situation was going on and the fact that I was at Norwich on Thursday. I wanted to get a show out this week because Chelsea are in the news throughout the entire bloody world and we want to put our views across. I do want to start the show by announcing that we're not going to be political on this show. We're not going to be talking anything about what's going on elsewhere. This is purely based on what's happening with our club and the ramifications and the future for our club. So we're not going to talk any political or anything like that. But we do want to start with the main news. It's the only news, basically, of Roman being sanctioned by the UK government. The ramifications it has on Chelsea, it, there was panic all around the country, really, and all around the world of Chelsea with what was going on, Warren, about what could happen. Could Chelsea go into administration? Could Chelsea be losing players? A lot of overhyped panic. And you're the first person that I know that would probably have said to me, there's no need to panic. Everything's okay. Take every day as it comes. And we have actually discussed this about take every day as it comes. And I was there on Norwich on Thursday and I was speaking to a couple of people about the situation and a lot. I mean, we'll talk about the game later on, but the people that I spoke to, I can tell in their eyes, they were worried as hell what was going on with Chelsea Football Club. And we just want to sort of talk 
little bit about it, but this is more about more of a rant and more of reflection. So we're going to be unsanctioned and we're going to be uncensored on today's show. So Warren, the floor is yours because I know you've got a lot to say on the matter. Well, firstly, thank Go on. You. firstly, thank you. It's always great. It's, it's great to be back, even under such pressing and um, unusual circumstances. It is great to be back on the show. Thank you for welcoming me back on. It's always a pleasure. Um, have been away for a while. I've been away for over a year. I think that the last time that we recorded a podcast together was when Frank left and I had an hour and a half of moaning at the uh, Chelsea hierarchy, basically, and slagging them off. <laughs> Uh, opinions haven't changed on that but um, no obviously it's been a obviously like you like you touched upon we won't be talking about the politics or the ins and outs of anything that's going on elsewhere in the world Um, I think um, that's obviously I think that's put it into a little bit of perspective for me this week Keith I remember thinking to myself on I was thinking about it on Thursday actually once all of the sanctions had started to roll through and we was getting a better idea of <clears throat> how the club was expected to move forward during this time and whether we could move forward and the prospective buyers and stuff like that. We're going to get into all that. Hmm. Uh, um, it has put it into a bit of perspective for me that although I love Chelsea Football Club very dearly and have done, you know, for pretty much all of my life as many, many thousands, if not millions of Chelsea fans have, it has put it into perspective, the events around the world um, that, in comparison, it doesn't really matter. It's a message that we've heard a lot over the last couple of weeks that, you know, life is bigger than football. And I, I totally agree with that. So I'd like to make that point straight away. But moving on to the situation with Chelsea, um, I don't really know what to make of it because, again, it's, it's very difficult without getting into the politics of it. But Roman Abanovic had already promised to give away all of the profits to you know, to charity, to charitable organisations and very worth, very worthwhile charitable organisations, especially at the moment. Um, he never intended to make any profit from the club and he still got sanctioned. Again, that, 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 that's all politics. Do I think it's right what they've done to Roman? Irrelevant. I can't speak about individual people. Do I think it's right the way that they're massively jeopardising Chelsea Football Club? Do I think that's right? Do I think that's well, whether I think it's fair or not, I, I'm biased. I'm a Chelsea fan. I think it's completely out of order. I don't think it's right. I don't think it's just. I think that they're putting a lot of people's... People forget about... Frank Lampard made a fantastic point when he was interviewed on... I, I believe he was interviewed on Thursday ahead of the Premier League games this weekend. And they asked him about, you know, the, the stuff that's going on at your club. Obviously, you was manager there for two years, paid there for 13 years. And he said, look, whether it's Chelsea or not, it's irrelevant on a human level. We're talking about people potentially losing their jobs and potentially, you know, not having their future in their career that they had forged. And we're talking about young players. Where do they go from here? Where does the academy go? Where do the youth coaches, you know? So on a human level, forgetting the fact that it's even Chelsea, just the, the fact that it's a business that people's lives depend on, their livelihoods depend on, the, the lifestyles they become accustomed to depend on, um, you know, there's a human element to it as well that even I think rival clubs have recognised. I was speaking to, of all people, a Liverpool fan, um, but I was speaking to a Liverpool fan the other day and his overwhelming emotion of it all was that it just didn't seem fair on Chelsea Football Club the way that they was being um, governed 
so to speak, by the UK government. Um, <clears throat> so I do think, so of course, from a bias point of view, I think it's completely unfair on Roman, even. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. <clears throat> you can tell I haven't done this. choking up already. You can, I, no, I, you I... can tell I haven't done this for a while. But no, I do. I don't. I don't think it's fair the way that it's gone about. I mean, limiting a, and, and you know, we won't talk about you know, Premier League clubs probably shouldn't need more than twenty thousand pounds to do an away day. They probably shouldn't, but they all do. It's the lifestyle and the way of living that football clubs have become accustomed to these days. I mean, even you talk about Leeds United. Now, Leeds United are a big English club, but they're hardly multi-billionaires in the same way that our owners are and Man City's owners are. But Man City fly, uh, Leeds fly to Norwich. They fly to Man City. They fly like a journey that they could jump in one of their exclusive £150,000 cars and get to within an hour. They, they fly private jets less than 100 miles. So this is the standard that we've become accustomed to, that teams that are going to get relegated from the Premier League, let's be honest, take private jets less than 100 miles at massive expense during the coronavirus, during like this whole um, <clears throat> ecologically aware age that we live in and we're supposed to reduce our carbon footprint. So to limit us to £20,000 for an away game seems absolutely ridiculous. Fortunately, reports suggest that we've paid our travel to the end of the season, so we're going to be fine. But that is that puts a that puts Chelsea at a disadvantage compared to other clubs. Whether or not it should or shouldn't is irrelevant. It's the fact that it does. It puts us at a disadvantage, right? And also limiting us to five hundred thousand pounds on a on a match day is that is that a figure that we can work with? Can we can we sufficiently police and steward and cater for forty thousand plus people? Um, not letting us buy tickets, not letting us go into the shop to buy a top or a scarf. Are they going to be allowed to sell programs? Are they subcontracted to a private company, or does 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 Chelsea Football Club put them on themselves? Are we going to be able to buy programs? Um, there's all there, there's already been stories, and I've experienced this myself of people that usually wouldn't, but. Uh, overselling the face value of their tickets for the Middlesbrough game next week because nobody else knows when they can go. And on a personal point of view, I would like to say to those people that are selling those tickets at more than face value, go fuck yourself. You are scum. You are absolute scum. You are the rotten scum of Chelsea Football Club. And there are bigger things going on in the world at the minute. And there are people that are doing things that are worse. And there is a bigger picture to this. I totally understand. But on the principle of just Chelsea Football Club and the tickets, then I think you're the scum of the earth. You don't deserve tickets. If I was in charge of the club, you wouldn't be going no more. As far as I'm concerned, you're paramount to a glory hunter. You might be a glory hunter as well, but you're paramount to a glory hunter who doesn't care about the club. All these people that... And this is the thing. I'm worried about what direction Chelsea Football Club is going to go in in the future. But ultimately, I don't care. Ultimately, I don't care. I've said it on this show. It's recorded from years ago. People can't, people can't say that I'm saying this because a new situation has arisen. I said this last year, the last time I was on the show when Frank got sacked. I said it before that. I've said it many times on recordings. Everybody that knows me, every Chelsea fan or every football fan that knows me at all, knows I don't give a shit if we get relegated to League Two. Because I tell you what, we get relegated to League Two, you're going to be seeing Warren at the game an awful lot more because the proper boys are going to be there. We might get the club that I fell in love with back. And that doesn't take 
anything away from the last 20 years, 19 years under Roman. Greatest owner in world football. I personally sang his name loud and proud at Burnley. And I will sing his name loud and proud for every single day that I'm a Chelsea fan in the future. Every game that I go to, I will be singing Roman Abramovich's name. And I will be remembering him and his time at Chelsea. Fondly, yes, there's been times that haven't been as great as others. You know, the odd season or two where we haven't actually won a trophy, which is like shocking to think of. But there's actually been seasons that we haven't won a trophy. Obviously, the way that Frank was dealt with, I think the way Jose was dealt with a couple of times. There are negatives within Roman Abramage's era that I think were less than perfect, could have been handled differently. But my God, what the fuck am I complaining about? We've won five Premier League titles. We've won like, what is it, six FA Cups, two three League Cups, two Champions Leagues, two Europa Leagues, a Super Cup, World Champions, like just, you know, been out the top four maybe three times in 20 odd years. Have We've seen players grace the hallow turf at Stamford Bridge like Eden Hazard and Didier Drogba and Frank Lampard and Ashley Cole and Ivanovic and Czech and Terry and... Makaleli and Essien and Balak and like, I mean, does, does the list need Diego Costa? Does the list need to go on? Like, all as a result of Rome and the academy players coming through. I know they don't all play there no more, but Tammy, Tomori, Reese James, Mason Mount, you know, a plethora of other ones, Billy Gilmore, Colin Gallagher, Broha, they could all come back next season and make big impacts. And it's all because of Roman. Right? It's all because of Roman, and I thank him so much for that. But with that has come the new age glory hunter Chelsea fan, something that I've spoken about many times on this show, people that are overly negative when there's no need to be, people that don't support the club when we really need to support the club, uh, the kind of people that put one bad result above a legacy, i.e., Frank Lampard had a couple of bad results and these Glory Hunter fans wanted him go and the pressure got to the top and he ended up seeing him be sacked. Um, and that's because, and, and that, that's what I mean, I would rather, I, Frank Lampard deserved more of a chance than anybody because of his legacy at the club, the amount of hard work that he'd put into the club and the amount of love and passion that he had played for the club for, for so many years. Yeah, he uh, fair, fair or not, it's the way of the world. He deserves more of a chance than uh, Maurizio Sarri. That's just how it is. It shouldn't be like that. It should be fair for everybody, but it's fucking not. It's the real world. So Lampard should have been given more chance based on his legacy at the football club. And I think that he wasn't given that chance, partly or mainly even, because of fickle tourist Chelsea fans and I've said before by tourist I don't mean anybody that's not English or anything like that by tourist I mean somebody that's new to Stamford Bridge somebody that doesn't fully appreciate the history the heritage and the passion of the club you know it's called again it's called the the Chelsea disease loving Chelsea and falling in love with Chelsea Football Club is called the Chelsea disease the Chelsea love do you know what I mean? That family, that community spirit, that 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 community spirit and that football spirit that I saw last year at the protest for the Super League. And that's the first time that I've seen that at Stamford Bridge for a long, 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 long time, probably since the Help Save the Bridge campaign days and the, the initial days of the CPO, the Chelsea Pitch Owners Club, who we who the podcast obviously, you know, quite notably have quite a strong bond and you know somewhat of a partnership with I know that you've been to their dinners I know that you're in regular contact with the owner that uh, the um is it the chief chief executive um, Mr Chris Isaac the CEO Mr Chris Isaac um lovely man um and and they're the kind of things that are connected to the club that make Chelsea what they are 
But Glory Hunters would never even have heard of that, as far as I'm concerned. And I know I'm giving Glory Hunters a hard time, but it's those fans that are most worried at the minute. They're most worried about their cash cow and their successful club, you know, going bust and not competing at the top anymore. I don't, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, would I, would I love to stay at the top of the Premier League and win the Premier League next year and win the Champions League this year for Roman? Well, yeah, of course I would. I want to win everything every year, but I don't care. I, I don't care. It boils down to the fact that I don't care. I'd go to more games if we got relegated because there'd be less people buying my fucking tickets and people wouldn't be able to oversell them. But And also, do you know what would be amazing, Keith? Do you know what would be amazing, right? Going bust, getting relegated down to League One, spending three years on a football league tour, right? Three or four years, right? All Tottenham and Arsenal and Liverpool and Man United and everyone laughing at us constantly. And we'd just say, we won it all. We wouldn't care. We'd think it was brilliant, right? But everyone laughing at us for all them seasons. Imagine the day, however long it took, whether it took 5, 10, 15, 20 years, no matter how long it took, imagine one day we'd be back. One day we would be back because we it's what we do. We're too big a club to pale into insignificance and to be forgotten about. We are never going to be that club. This is what we do. We win things when we're not supposed to do it, when our backs are against the wall. And no matter how long it took, we'd be back and we'd come back and we'd win a cup or we'd win a league or we'd win something. And just imagine we could laugh at them all, all over again. It'd be fucking brilliant. We could do it without the money this time. It'd be even better. We've got the best academy in the world. We don't even need money. What are people worried about? Have people not seen what comes from our academy? Our academy makes up most of European teams. <laughs> so, no, I'm not, I'm not worried. Yeah, I would love a, an owner to come in that was as passionate as Roman and was a, a football club owner because he was a football fan, not because of a business. Not like this FSG at Liverpool that run everything like a business. And, yeah, they're doing a good job and like blah, blah. But, like, you know, for me, if we have a billionaire, it needs to be Roman or I don't want anyone. I'd like a fan group-led consortium to take over the club to be given control of the club and whatever the club makes is what we put back into the club, which forces us to use all of our academy players for at least a couple of years until we start getting in big um, prize money from the competition, Champions League, Premier League or whatever. So no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered if the worst comes to the worst. I don't know how you feel about it, Keith. I mean, obviously I should imagine you would rather stay in the Premier League, but I, I, I just don't care. I really don't care. I've been watching Chelsea every season in the Premier League for 30 years. It's nothing new to me. We can't do anything different to what we already have. We've won everything. We've done everything. In terms of competitions, in terms of where we could be based, Premier League or wherever, I'm not concerned with that. I'm concerned with the long-term future of the club. You did and you were spot on with it, actually, about the club have employed a lot of people. And one of the individuals who has asked to be named nameless actually sent me an email during the week about the situation. Asked to be named nameless? He wanted to be named nameless. He, you mean remain nameless? Right, old Jermaine right. Pickford's back in gold, isn't he? Jeez. <laughs> he wants to remain <laughs> nameless, right? So shut up. So... Yeah. He's emailed me to say that he applied for the role of ticket administrator at Chelsea Football Club. He did the application, sent it across. He then got an email back to say the job is no longer there. Yeah. This was on Tuesday, right? 
he looked at the job website on Chelsea Football Club and the job was still there. So he didn't know what was going on. So he sent an email back and he was told, due to unforeseen circumstances, the job's no longer available. And it's funny when he sort of sent me that email because obviously now, in with, in light of what's going on in regards to tickets and things, it's funny the fact that he's obviously tried to apply for this particular role, no, not knowing what was going on, and nobody on Tuesday knew what was going on really. And it's just got to the point where now people, their complete livelihoods are at risk here. You know, and it's not just Chelsea Football Club with players. We're talking about people that have been there for so long in the catering department, the marketing department. These are people that have got mortgages to pay for, families, children to they're feed. Stewards, they're, they're stewards, stewards that volunteer there. They're stewards that even volunteer there, even just like to cutting you in there, keep going away from people's livelihoods in terms of like, you know, their financial, um, you know, the financial stability that having a full-time job brings. There's volunteers, stewards there, that have been yeah. volunteers there for 10, 15, 20 years that have watched all of these amazing transformations at Stamford Bridge with regards to the team and the success and everything. And, it, and it's it's their social life. You know, they, they travel to away games. You know, at Burnley, we had stewards that had come up from Chelsea and everything. I mean, I was at the Burnley game last week. You was at Norwich game midweek. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's literally, it's people's lives. It's what people, it's what people do. It's what people base their whole lives on is going to football, essentially. And well, I put it. it sorry, Warren. I, I, no, I, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, I, I put it on a uh, on a post on the Facebook page about our Chelsea Football Club isn't just a football club to people, it's part of their lives. And I know some people on the outside will see that as a stupid comment, but when I look at families, well, I think ex- all real, I think all real football fans totally appreciate what families you're of ex players, and I'm talking about people like. Osgood's family, where his ashes are buried at the ground. Yeah. You've got Peter Bonetti's memorial coming up on Friday at Stamford Bridge. This isn't, you know, this football club isn't just a place where players play football. This is this is an institution to people. This is mm. a way of life. This is a place where people go away to. Like I say, it's the Chelsea, the Chelsea family, the Chelsea family, the Chelsea community. Absolutely, and. I was going back on research and looking at old player interviews that we've done on the podcast. And if you do wish to listen to them, find them on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. They're on YouTube as well. But I was listening to some of them and recounting old memories of Chelsea. And what's the situation going on at the moment with the club? It's concerning. And to some, it could even be described as heartbreaking. However we should put it into perspective in a way whereby it's not all doom and gloom. But I do want to sort of discuss what's happening right now and what's going on right now. I know the Chelsea Supporters Trust are talking to MPs, they're talking to people within the know. I know the Chelsea pitch owners are flat out busy trying to discuss this with Parliament and discuss this with other officials as well. So they are trying to sort out the future of the club as well because the CPO have got a long-standing stake in what's going on. 
and they have a, and they have a massive say in what's going on. And they have a massive say as well because prospective buyers, the first thing they're going to do is tell their lawyers look into the possibility. The first thing they need to do, right? Any prospective buyer, the first thing that they will do because they are businessmen is say, right, see how reasonable it is that we can get the pitch back. That's going to be the first thing that they're going to look. They're going to realise very soon that they've got no chance. But it's going to be the first thing that they're going to try and do. They're going to try and put pressure on. And this is a, this is a fear that I have. With This is how lucky we are with Roman. Roman Abramovich is the guy that wouldn't sell Colton Cole to Tottenham. Roman Abramovich is the guy that when Tottenham were interested in a top-class player, he went and bought them. This is a player, this is a, a player, this is a man that understands the history of Chelsea. He understands the modern history. He understands the old history. He's a man who fell in love with the club. Somebody else who comes in and buys the club might not feel that way. Somebody, you know, they might, they if we had to sell a load of players, they might end up selling N'Golo Kante to Tottenham. Not that he'd go there because Kante's got brains, but like, and you know. Kante it, wants to win things. Yeah, exactly. But is. This is, this is something that we may have to consider as a possibility. People that don't understand the rivalry between Chelsea Tottenham, Chelsea Liverpool, Chelsea Arsenal, Chelsea West Ham, you know, people that don't understand the significance of certain games and certain dates and certain players. And this is where we've been so lucky with Roman because Roman Abramovich very clearly has a very sentimental side. He's clearly a very sentimental um, person, you know, in his statement that he made after... Um, well, before he was actually sanctioned by the government when he put the club up for sale, was my biggest hope is that I can go back to Stamford Bridge one last time to say goodbye. I mean, that had me in tears, Keith. That had me like full-grown man. That had me in tears. That did. I had tears in my eyes. I'm telling you, when I when I read when I read that part of the statement in particular, I was just my heart bled for him because he's just another fan. He just made I, I it made it made me feel like he was me almost. Because that's exactly how I would feel. That's exactly what I would want. I would want one opportunity just to go and say goodbye and thank you for the memories. And yeah, soak up a bit of the appreciation from the home crowd as well. That would be amazing to have the whole ground singing your name. And, you know, people would be there, would be very emotional. And I know that John Terry, although he had to retract it because of potential negative ramifications, was obviously talking about what a great owner he was the whole time that he was there. John Terry's leaving speech... You know, as much as he was thanking the fans and his family and his fellow professionals and saying what a great time he had had, he went over and stood in front of the West Stand, in front of Roman's box and said, I think we all have to thank this man. Uh, the dedication, the effort that he puts in every day from the under eights all the way through to the full team. He's there and he cares more than anything. He cares about everybody. He cares about all the players, all the staff, all the stewards, all the cooks, all the, all the people that do the kit, all the people that do everything. He cares about everyone and he loves the club from the bottom to the top. And he's rebuilt our whole club. He's built us into a global brand. We are one of the biggest football clubs in the world now we regularly get into the top five with the most amount of money um we regularly win the top trophies and everything and blah blah um so when he said that that he just wanted the opportunity to say goodbye that's what sort of like made it a real reality for me that's what like I say brought a tear to my eye and was so sad because he's just a football fan and my biggest worry is that a business is going to come in and take over the club a business and Roman Abramovich, with regards to Chelsea, was never really a businessman. He'd done great business at Chelsea and he put things in place so that we could do great business. But it was all with the prospect at the end of, well, do you know what? 
at the moment we're going to run a 10 million pound profit but if i have to spend 50 and lose 40 million so that we can win the league again that's what i'll do that's what roman does that's what other owners do not do and that's my biggest worry um i said to you at the time keith when this all came about when this situation first arose you know before the sanctions and everything that if we're going to have a multi-billionaire owner i want it to be roman if it's not roman i don't want to have a billionaire owner I'd rather just be run day to day and see what we can do. Now, let's just sort of move on quickly to what's in the news right now. And I know we're not going to discuss every media outlet because some media outlets are a joke. They are a complete and utter disrespectful in regards to their news. And quite frankly, they don't deserve any mention on this podcast. But there is one particular story that seems to be sort of making the news a little bit uh, the, this morning as we are recording. And that is that Roman Abramovich has struck a deal with the government to allow the sale of the club with the impending dead, deadline of next week for bids to come in because of the sanctions being brought in and but this is the thing, just quickly there, Keith, because I read this this morning. Do you know what I took from that? I, I see. I I don't necessarily look at the face of a headline. I try to look beyond the headline, and I try and think of what the person the headline was written about was thinking at the time to cause this headline or to create this story. And I think the main reason, I think Roman Abramovich would have sat tight. I think he would have made it awkward for the government. I think that he would have sat tight. He would have rode it out he would bide his time because he's got the money to be able to do it he's in no desperate need to do anything with regards to money he doesn't care whether he has a couple of billion frozen in the UK because he's got a couple of billion everywhere else Like so it don't matter to him but again because he's a fan of the club because he loves the club he is going to get rid of the club as quickly as possible because he knows that there's contracts that are up for renewal that he cannot renew he knows that there's a summer transfer window coming and we need to strengthen. We need to invest. He knows that he cannot do that. He knows that there's players coming through the academy, that the professional contracts, that he needs to offer them professional contracts and he can't because of these sanctions. And I think that he's taken a completely selfless act to make sure the club goes quickly because he knows that he cannot support Chelsea in the way that he has done for the last 19 and a half years at the minute. He cannot offer Chelsea his best. Therefore, he's withdrawing himself so that somebody else can do the best that they can. It's another massive gesture from Roman. I think it's another testament to his character and to his personality. Um, and I think it shows him to be... And again, I'm only talking about football. I'm only talking about football when I say the following, and I think it's very important that I make that clear that I'm only talking about football. But when it comes to football, Roman Abramovich is the greatest owner in world football and the best that there's ever been. Nobody, he's second to none. He's second to none. He's the best owner that you could ever imagine. And yes, he doesn't do things perfectly. Yes, I've moaned about him before, but you know, I moaned about we both have. I've complained about John. I've complained about John Terry performances in the past. It doesn't mean that he's not still the ultimate legend at Stamford Bridge. You know, it's you know, it's what we do as football fans. We're all we're all managers and coaches and owners and right wingers from our sofas, isn't we? That's what makes football so amazing because we've all got an opinion on it. So no, he hasn't done everything exactly the way that I'd want him to do it. But 
who are we to question the man that has brought unbridled success? I don't think we're ever going to have a generation of success like this again in the in the club's future history. You know, I, I can't imagine a trophy a season, twenty years when we when we hadn't when we hadn't won between nineteen seventy one and nineteen ninety seven, we hadn't won one. You know, we went twenty six years without anything towards a, anything towards a significant trophy. You know, I mean, it, we'll it, talk about potential new owners that are interested in Chelsea. And the one thing that I do want to stress, and this is my view, not sure whether you share this sentiment, Warren, but, and I've mentioned this to people privately, that I don't want a consortium buying Chelsea. I don't want a company buying Chelsea that see it as an asset. And I don't want a particular individual who owns multiple sport franchises owning Chelsea for this for the purpose of just using it as another mantra. Excuse, sorry, sorry listeners, my uh, my dogs have seen the postman going past. Your dog's not happy with my comment, I can tell. Um no. <laughs> but no, I, I unfortunately unfortunately Keith, I think that everything you've just said there, I think most of it's gonna come could have come to fruition. I think well, that's how it's going to be. I think that we are going to be owned by, at the very least, a consortium of people. Um, maybe a consortium of people that, although they see Chelsea as an asset, may actually be willing to invest in it and to like build our ground and to do different pieces of things and bits and pieces like that. I, I don't, I don't think this is necessarily like people think that Roman going signals like a coming of an end sort of thing. It, can't, it, could, it could mean brand new beginnings. You know, there, there's no reason that we can't look positively towards the future without Rome. And at the moment, it seems like all doom and gloom, but it's not. We've still got a fantastic squad. We've still got fantastic players. We've still got fantastic players coming through the academy. We've still got a fantastic brand that's worth an awful lot of money. Um, and I don't think it is all doom and gloom. It's just not going to be the what we've become accustomed to. But I do think it's going to be a consortium, and I do think it will be a company that's interested or has other interests in other sporting franchises, whether they be football, American football, baseball, basketball, whatever. I think that that's pretty much the way that it's going to be, Keith. You know, I think that we have to accept that as a realistic possibility because they're the only companies that have got the financial clout to be able to come in and do it, especially at short term notice as well that, you know, it's very been sprung upon very, very quickly. So I do believe that's the the road that we're heading down. Um, I don't think it's all doom and gloom. I still think that Roman Abramovich's situation shouldn't affect the players. I still think we've got a, a great chance of winning the FA Cup and the Champions League this year. You know, we could still end up we could still end up with four trophies this year, plus finishing in the top two or three, plus losing in another final. You know, I mean it could still end up being one of those seasons that we look back on as one of the most successful in Chelsea's history. Um so I think there's a lot to be positive about. I think there's a lot to be enthusiastic about, there's a lot to look forward to. It's just that it seems very cloudy and doom and gloom at the minute, and it is a bit depressing at the minute. But I think we have to be positive looking forward because if nothing else, Roman Abramovich has given us a foundation for the next 50 years. You know, and we have to use it. He's given us a springboard now, and we have to use it. Well, that does touch on quite nicely to what I wanted to talk about next and talk about the positive side of it. And Yes, there is a lot of doom and gloom. There's a lot of 
questions that need to be answered and there's a lot of uncertainty around. The good thing that we know as of recording this is the fact that Chelsea Football Club is there's absolutely no talk and there's absolutely no way on God's green earth that Chelsea are going to fold. No. Absolutely not. No. There's no talk of a, any administration issues. There's no talk of... Any... They're too bigger of a club. There's, there's too many sponsors and business people and associates that would be too interested in supporting Chelsea financially one way or another for us to go bust. I there's mean, no... teams like Derby and Berry, although they're historical clubs that should have been looked after and more should have been done to ensure that their future and things like that. Same with Wimbledon them, them years ago and you know one or two other teams that it's happened to. That that that's happened to them teams. That ha- that hasn't happened to teams that are tied into five point two billion pounds worth of T V rights for the Premier League and are not tied into thirty million pound per year just for the group stage of Champions League games and not to mention we are one of the elite clubs in Europe and you know, different bits and pieces like that. It's not. It's not going to happen where we end up like that. I'm not saying that the worst can come to the worst, and we could like you know bad things could happen when we drop down the league and things like that. I mean, I think that that's a possibility, but it, it's more of a merry-go-round at the minute. You know, if we have to like turn around and come back, if we have to take a step backwards to take two steps forwards, then maybe that's what we need to do. I think that that's what the intention was under Frank Lampard. Was the idea was okay? We're under a transfer embargo. We've got a young manager. You know, we've got somebody that, you know, most of the fans or at least the proper fans will give time and love and support to. The idea was to take one step back with the transfer embargo and eventually take two steps forward. I think that's the way that the club has got to look at this new ownership and new stewardship and moving forward, that this is a new phase and it's an opportunity to take two steps forward. But we may have to stand still for a little while. You know, it looks like at the moment, because of the contract situation, if we don't get it sorted out, new owners sort it out very quickly, then that's all, that's almost guaranteed as per Quetta, Christiansen and Rudiger leaving. Well, you I know. think they'll go anyway. I think no, I, th- I think, I, I th- think Christiansen has, has, has got... Christiansen's, Christiansen's had enough of being a number two, um, especially in a team that usually plays three centre-backs. I think he's kind of had enough of not getting into the team. He feels that he feels that he could he should be able to get into a team with three centre backs. I can understand that. Mm-hmm. I think Aspedaqueta is looking for a new challenge at the end of his career. I think he wants to go back to Spain. I think the opportunity to play for Barcelona is too appealing for most Spanish players. So I can understand Dave going. Dave will leave with nothing but good graces from me. I mean, I I mean I fucking hate Barcelona. I'll be gutted if he goes there. But not not for him. I won't be gutted for him. I'll be gutted that Barcelona are getting such a fantastic servant and such a fantastic player and such such a fantastic captain and leader and somebody who sets an example. But he will go with my my greatest graciousness because it what a servant he has been to us for the last ten years, um or nine years even coming up to his tenth year. Um Absolutely fantastic, but I'll be gutted to see him go. I think Rudiger would be a big miss. Um, you know, there's the, the the issue of. I mean, has Thiago Silva signed an extension for next he season? Has. Yeah, he yeah. has signed it. He did sign it. Yeah, right. Good. That's a good start. Yeah, but then we've got so many academy players that are on one year or two year rolling contracts and haven't got long term contracts that might have been coming to an end that we don't even know about. I mean. That, that 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 that's the worry that we could lose an awful lot of talent and it could take us quite a while to replace it. Um 
And then there's there's how it is it how is it going to affect the players? New owners coming in through the top, things change at the top, and that filters down through the club. And Chelsea people like Mason Mount and Reese James that have been in the same structure and built off the same foundation for the last 15, 20 years, all of a sudden this could change. And how's that going to affect the players? How's it going to affect their happiness? How's it going to affect their form? How's it going to affect other players coming into the club and being able to attract other players? And You know, Chelsea have always been quite an attractive club to play for because they're always there or thereabouts. They pay good money. There's a good owner. You know, we've got, we sell out our stadium every week, home and away. I think there's a lot of appealing factors to Chelsea. Um, will the gloss of Chelsea, will the shine of going to Chelsea be slightly taken off with a new corporate ownership rather than a Roman? We don't know. This is what we have to wait to see in the future. I think it could have a a, a detrimental effect on it, essentially. Um, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. This, this is the thing, Keith. I think that, I don't think there's any need to be doom and gloom. I've said it no. earlier. I, I don't think there is. I think that the people that are most worried are the people that think all the success is going to be taken away. And those people are the plastic glory hunter tourist fans, for the most part, for the most part. And it doesn't mean to say that they're not right to be worried, but they're worried for the wrong reasons. Right? Chelsea ain't going to go bust. You made the point, Keith. Chelsea ain't going to fold. Chelsea ain't going to go bust. So ultimately, as worried as I am and as much as I think about it and as much as I keep up to date with it and as much as I want this to happen and want that to happen, I don't give a shit. Bring on Hartley Paul on a Saturday afternoon in November. I couldn't give a fuck, man. Bring it on. I'd love a bit of Grimsby and a bit of Lincoln. Do you know what I mean? You mentioned that. I received a message on Friday from uh, a very good f- friend of the show um, has listened to all the episodes and I've, I, I appreciate his support. He sent me a message that he was given by a friend of his and is and I'll read it word for word. And I think, Warren, you might actually appreciate this. A long day of having the piss ripped out of me. Constant jibes about what if you go down, get penalised, etc. Do you know what? I wouldn't care as there are a lot of positives to this. No poxy tourists. No wankers at the bridge constantly filming the bloody match on their phone. Why do that ever in the first place? You are there. No plastic fans or newcomers, glory hunters. Fake. Being able to turn up home or away games without buying a ticket months in advance. Having a good old tear up at shit northern grounds like the old days. And singing old songs with the majority of you on here like we used to. Rangers had a blast coming back to the top. Imagine how much fun, how big the support from proper fans and what a laugh we would all have. Carefree good people, by the grace of God, we are Chelsea. Molly Malone, I can hear it now. Well, I agree with every sentiment apart from fighting up north. I guess I suppose that you know we weren't focused. I think I think that I think that <laughs> listeners, listeners, fans of the show, new new fans of the show, people that are here to disagree with what we're saying about Roman and everything. Um, I think that you should all know that we're not he advocating. He doesn't actually no, but we're I mean even even no. even the guy that's left that message, he doesn't actually mean. He doesn't mean it. It's just it's that state of mind, it's that mentality, it's that old school Chelsea fan. Now, obviously, he doesn't mean that he actually wants to go out fighting. None of us do because that's just like as much as he says people filming the football whilst you're at football. That's ridiculous. Would it be ridiculous to go to the football and have a fight? Go to your boxing gym. Do you know what I mean? Right. But 
I understand the sentiment that he's making. And that's the point that I'm making. I didn't experience a great deal of it, but obviously I was 16. It was just before my 16th birthday that Roman took over Chelsea in 2003. So I had 11 or 12 years of going to the bridge um, with some success. Obviously we had our little period between 97 and 2000 where we won four trophies in that period of time and three in two seasons and then blah, blah, blah. And we had a good run in the league as well. Um, when I remember being 2 nil up against Leicester and Steve Guppy scored. Oh. Mm, that's right. We was going to win the league that year as well. We really was. Um, but yeah. Um, but yeah, like I look back at nearly winning the league that year and that was a better season than when we nearly won it in 2008. You know, it just seems so much better. And they're the times that I want to get back. You know, 96 FA Cup semi-final against Man United at Villa Park, right? There was two FA Cup semi-finals that weekend and only one team out of the four teams sold their full allocation of tickets for the semi-final. And that was Chelsea. And that was Chelsea. That's what we do. Like, And, you know, yeah, bring back those days. I've, I've said, I think it was... Was it one of our first podcasts when we were talking about memories and I was talking about the mm-hmm. Cup Winners' Cup run in 95, Rails, Aragossa, you know, being 3-0 down from the first leg. I mean, this was this was a million miles away from thinking that we was going to have Drogba, Lampard and Terry, we was going to win the Champions League and we was going to do this and do that and make several finals and always be there or thereabouts and get robbed by a bunch of cheating Catalonian wankers um, several times. Um, and that was... You know, that cup run, that cup winners' cup cup run and the FA Cup run in 97. They're, they're two things that, that, that a lot of things have happened to Chelsea in the last 20 years that are never going to leave me. But those two are always going to be at the very, very top. 25 they're be years ago this year. That cup yeah, li- well, yeah. the cup winners' cup was 27 years ago. Yeah. Like 28 years ago when it started, because it would have started in 94. You know, the group stages would have been pre Christmas. You know, I mean, we're, we're going back an awful long way. And then to think, the Cup Winners' Cup that we won was only three years after that. And then we made it to the semis the year after that. And then we made it to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Yeah. This was all a long time before Roman, this was. This was when we were skint. We had nothing. We, yeah. couldn't, even, we couldn't even finish building our West Stand. Took no, us about five right. years. Took us about five years to build a stand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, and backs against the wall, the Save the Bridge campaign back in the 80s and all the rest of it. I mean, 80s and 90s. I remember seeing the sign to the left of the West Stand when I used to sit on the benches down the front. I remember the Save the Bridge campaign. I remember the last ever game um, when the West Stand was there. I seem to remember it being Bolton and everybody was nicking the seats because it was the last time the West Stand was going to be there. You know, obviously the shed had gone by that point and the North Stand had gone. It had been turned into the Matthew Arden. And then the West Stand was kind of like the last to go, really. I mean, I know the East Stand's been there since, what, early early mid-70s, perhaps? That's right. Maybe, maybe 77, I think. I don't know why 77's in my head, but it was around that kind of sort of time. Don't quote me on that. I'm probably wrong. But, um, yeah, it's like, you know, and when that West Stand got taken down, we didn't realise how sentimental it was at the time because we hadn't become a majorly successful team at that point. Obviously, Roman was still years off buying the club and, you know, Ken Bates was in charge. And yeah, we was a decent cup team and we used to turn out every now and then. But we didn't realise that when that stand come down, the future of Chelsea was going to be so corporate and so successful that a lot of the passion and a lot of the history that went with the West Stand 
hasn't been truly replicated since. Look at Westview. Listen, don't get me started on all that, right? Because you're going to need you're going to need a whole nother show. You're going to have to recharge your laptop, right? You're going to have to buy new software for editing because you ain't going to have raw room on your laptop if you get me started. You get me started on that Westview, right? My God, again, something else that's happened under Roman Abramovich stewardship that's not that's less than perfect that I wouldn't accept. So you know, I accept that he's not but perfect. We understand why that's the case, but no, I don't. No, I don't. Fuck them. No, I don't fuck them. I may accept that they think they have reasons and genuine reasons for doing it and all the rest of it, but no, fuck them. It's not good for the supporters, but I understand. No, it's not. And this is, and, I understand and, from the club's point of view. And, like, and like, I said, like I said at the top of the show, a Liverpool fan, a whole fan, a Liverpool fan said to me, do you know what, mate? It's the fans that I feel sorry for. He actually said to me, he's a very good friend of mine, John, um, very knowledgeable on football. I mean, he's a Liverpool fan, so he's a wrong one, but he's all right. But he said to me, he said, do you know what, Warren? It's people like you that I feel sorry for because he said there's so many plastics that I see about. You know, he lives in South London. He's he, he's seen the influx of Chelsea fans coming out the woodwork that are not real Chelsea fans. And one of the reasons that me and him get on so well in a football sense is because he knows that I hate them more than even the other fans do. I mean, fans think they hate Chelsea fans. They've got no idea how much I hate them. <laughs> like, trust me, there ain't a Liverpool or Tottenham fan in, on the planet that hates certain Chelsea fans more than I do. But it's real Chelsea fans that it's going to affect. And it's always us that suffer. The Westview, the Super League, the this, the that, the Frank going, the coronavirus pandemic, the this, the that. doesn't matter what it is. Everyone's always all right apart from the fans. Now, you mentioned the fans. There is rumours um, and discussions being led by certain supporters groups that there's going to be a, a demonstration at the ground before tomorrow's game against Newcastle. Um, I've been very vocal to some people that are part of the group, but also other people outside looking in that me personally, I don't believe there should be a demonstration outside the ground because it will take too much away from the game. But in my opinion, if you're going to demonstrate what's going on to your football club, I would do it outside Downing Street rather than the ground. But that's me personally. Um, I think that tomorrow should be fully focused on the game because there is a game going on against Newcastle, a game we should win to cement our place as one of the top teams in the league. And it obviously puts Newcastle in their place as well, trying to be, you know, all uh, Billy Big Bollocks. But there is a lot of issues with the fans and they, the fans want to get involved and the fans want to do something about it. And I understand that and I respect that. And we're trying to do something about it. The, the Chelsea Supporters Trust has put out a thing on Facebook. So if you, if, if you are looking to try and get involved and try and help out as much as you can, find the Chelsea Supporters Trust on Facebook and find us, the Blue, the Blue Day podcast on Facebook. We've got a lot of information about how you can help and how you can contact your MPs and find out what they can do to find find out what's going on and try and support what's going on. Because at the end of the day, yes, what's happened to Roman has happened. There's nothing that can be done about it. But we need to protect Chelsea Football Club. We need to protect what's going forward. Because... One of the ways one of the ways we do that is by expressing our fan power and expressing That's how right. unified we are together, which is why I think a demonstration is absolutely called for. I totally accept your point, by the way. I think it's a point that's missed a lot. That when fans are doing things, 
when they like at Everton they had the walkout in the X so and so minute once and you know obviously Newcastle have had big protests over the years. We had protests against Rafa, we had the protest against the Super League. You know, I remember Man United have obviously had protests and blah blah and all the rest of it, right? Um, and yeah, like okay, so and I totally, I think it's a completely undervalued point and a completely overlooked point. I think it's a fantastic point to make, Keith, that we should focus on the game and all the rest of it. But do you know what? The future of Chelsea Football Club is bigger than tomorrow. No, I absolutely, I, I, I think a demonstration is absolutely right. I agree. I think, yeah, I think a demonstration is absolutely right. I think it's totally appropriate to have it at Stamford Bridge because if we had it at Downing Street. We might have three or four thousand turn up. We're gonna have forty thousand there tomorrow. Right. So even if twenty percent of them join into the protest in one way or another, or the demonstration from one form or another, all of a sudden you're talking about nearly ten thousand people. I think it makes much more of a statement. I think that it shows unity at Stamford Bridge. I think it shows us all together, and I think it's that pressure that may make the transition. I don't think it's gonna change anything, but it might make the transition smoother for the club. And the interesting thing will be if anyone chants Roman's name. I'm guessing they will. Well, I should bloody well hope so, because I will be. Well, the people on Talk Sports seem to be disgusted with the fact that Chelsea fans were singing Roman's well, name. Well, a little, a little, a little message. And a, a little message. A little message, not necessarily from the Blue Day podcast, but brought to you by the Blue Day podcast on behalf of Warren Talk Sport. You can go fuck yourself, you bunch of absolute cretins. Right. I'm not going to get political about it, but they are just the most. Oh, they're the most. They're the most. Let's go with the most non-controversial thing that we possibly can. Like basically, I mean, a classic example was it Trevor Sinclair that said maybe maybe some kind of top doctor or top scientist needs to look into the link between vaccines and players dropping down all over the place and having heart problems. All he said was suggested that it was maybe a bit of a coincidence and maybe somebody could look into it. He's now like completely like banished from social media and like doesn't go on TalkSport anymore and all this kind of stuff. So TalkSport is afraid of their own shadow so they can all go fuck themselves. With regards to the Burnley game, when the Chelsea fans sang Roman Abramovich's name during the moment's applause in solidarity for the Ukraine, which, by the way, the whole Chelsea end took part in, in terms of the applause and the solidarity and, you know, like absolutely... Um, but my 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 feeling that I got from every Chelsea fan there that day, the feeling that you got from every Chelsea fan at Norwich, the feeling that I've got from every Chelsea fan that I've spoken to outside of games and everything is one of unity with the Ukraine. Obviously, we're not going to discuss ins and outs because we don't do politics on this show and we don't do stuff like that. However, I, I, I obviously, for what it's worth, I offer my solidarity and support to the Ukraine in this time of devastating crisis that they're experiencing. And it is terrible of course it is but it was it's been written all over social media like it was like right let's start a minute round of applause and then the whole Chelsea and just went Roman Abramovich mm. right and then sung but it wasn't like that we sang it probably for the last 10 to 15 seconds 10 to 15 seconds of the minutes silence uh minutes applause beg your pardon now there is a logical standpoint that says maybe this wasn't the time for that that particular message I think that to quote Tuchel, he said that it wasn't maybe the correct time to express this message. I can understand that. I, I totally take that point on board. But I think that Chelsea fans are extraordinarily emotional and extraordinarily protective of Roman Abramovich. 
he is our owner. He is the best owner in world football. He has bought us all of this stuff. I think that for people to expect Chelsea fans not to be emotional about it and not show their support for him it, it is beyond belief. And the fact that they're making out, like, it, it's like it's like we're singing. It's like, do you know what? It's like we're singing a certain leader, who, a certain dictator who's a leader of a country somewhere right now who's causing a load of shit, right? It's like we're singing his name. And we're not. We're not. Let's not go into the side of how much he's done for charity, how much he's pledged to give away from the side of the club, the 1.5 billion in loans that he doesn't want back, the the hotel for the NHS staff, the not putting Chelsea staff on furlough. Let's not mention all of the amazing things that he has done. Let's mention the one thing he hasn't done, which is have anything to do with what's going on at the minute. So we have every single right to chant his name at every single game, whenever we want, and I, for one, will. I, for one, don't even sing Roman Abramovich anymore. I've changed it now. I personally sing Roman Abramovich donating billions. Roman Abramovich. And he's not even allowed to donate billions anymore because the government has taken it all off of him. It's mental. Mental. The government, like, the Premier League gave 500 grand to... Uh, a charitable organisation for all this that's going on at the minute. Roman Abramovich was pledging billions. <laughs> like, and he's the one that's getting like, and, and we're getting booed and being called the scum of the earth for singing his name. Like, are pe- people, are ma- like people are deluded, man. People are deluded. Newcastle have just been taken over by a group that have got like the worst case of human rights and have more things, allegations thrown at them than you could shake a stick at. And, there's this guy that Roman Abramovich, who's never really been clouded in controversy. There's been one or two, um, it has to be said, usually Labour MPs from from my experience and from like my recollection of it that have not liked him or whatever. But there's never really been no controversy around him. Like not really. Like, <laughs> and it's just it's just it's just a scapegoat. It's just a scapegoat. That's all it is. I, I I don't know. The government must be must stand to make a lot of money out of doing what they're doing because it's the only reason that they do it. They're talking about oh, we're giving Chelsea a special license because they're culturally and historically important to the country. Okay, well you're going to try and stop us from being successful though. Try and stop us from renewing contracts for our players. Like you know, we're talking about a centre back that's wanted by Man United, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Real Madrid. He's clearly one of the top centre backs in the world, and they won't let us renew his contract. Oh, but apparently Chelsea are really important. You know, they're going to let us carry on. Yeah, it's all it's all a load it's all a load of nonsense. And other fans of other clubs are just going to believe it because they're gullible, vulnerable, ill-informed, idiotic people that dislike Chelsea and want to see Chelsea fail. That's why people boo Roman Abramovich's name when we sing it. That's why they boo us, because he made us successful and they don't want us to be successful. And that's why they're booing it. It's got nothing to do with the crisis and what's going on, because clearly Roman has nothing to do about that. Whilst we was getting booed for cheering his name, he was in the Ukraine on peace talks a couple of days after announcing that he's going to donate billions and billions of pounds to them. So people aren't booing his name because of that. They're booing him because he makes Chelsea successful and nobody fucking likes Chelsea anyway. And they hate us even more now that we're successful. A young man on the way to the Burnley game last week, there was three generations of Chelsea fans that I was walking to the game to, from a granddad, through his son, through his brother, 
through their children as well. And he said, everyone goes on about Millwall and no one likes us, we don't care and all the rest of it. He said, I think that should be Chelsea because we are so much more hated all over the place for so many more reasons than Millwall are. And I have to say he's spot on because people don't like Millwall because their fans are scum. Well, Chelsea have a history of having scummy fans as well. The difference is now, so there's like an equal amount of people to proportion a certain amount of hatred out to to Chelsea and Millwall but now everybody hate there's another reason for everybody to hate Chelsea that's because we're the fucking best we are the pride of London like you know we've been the pride of the Premier League for the last 20 years we've been the pride of England on the continent for the last 25 years we've won not including Super Cups right and of which there's two obviously but we've won five five major European trophies in 25 years. That's an average of one every five years. That's about what Real Madrid averaged across their history. <laughs> I just want to cut you off a little bit. A friend of mine's just sent me this and he's angry as anything. You'll probably be the same, but I do want to bring it up on the podcast because this is completely linked to what we're talking about. Stan Collymore. Right, former Premier League striker, former pundit on talk shit, um, does his own thing now. Uh, he's called on the Premier League to strip Chelsea of every single trof- trophy they have won under Roman. Um, I can't believe this is. I can't believe this is real. If Chelsea's success was built on access to dodgy money, how can the twenty-one trophies won with Roman's rubles be allowed to stand? Right. So, 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 sorry. Where where is this where is this come from? What what, what does it mean? This Connect- was the, this there's never the, been any connect. The UK government hasn't sat, they not, even the UK government has never mentioned once about the source of his money or anything. It's the fact that he's a Russian oil guy. Do you know what I mean? It's the fact that he's Russian and he's a billionaire and he's and he's got businesses in the UK. Like it's got nothing to do with it being dodgy money or wherever it's come from or anything like that. Stan Collymore is talking out of what he sits on. I mean, let's listen. Who's going to listen to Stan Collymore anyway? Let's face it. Look, everyone deserves a past, and everyone has a right to make mistakes, right? But then they used to knock his misses about quite regularly for a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, who is he to talk? Should he be on the TV? Should he? Should he have a platform to the whole world? Should he have a platform where people look up to him and respect his opinion and listen to him as an ex-footballer? Should he have that platform without having the? So it's so hypocritical. He's saying that Jamie O'Hara and Dean Saunders. Right. Stan Collymore needs to, if if Chelsea have to have their trophies taken away, then Stan Collymore needs to have his Premier League appearances and his goals taken away. He needs to have the money that he earned during that time taken away. He should not be able to earn money based on the fact that he's an ex-Premier League footballer. He should hold himself accountable to the same principles that he holds against other people. He's a complete hypocrite. He's showing complete double standards and he's a woman beater. So with regards to whatever Stan Collymore has got to say, I don't give a shit. He can go fuck himself along with everyone. I'll finish because this fucking hell. He said medals are stripped for doping, so what about trophies? If someone doped in an Olympics thirty years ago, they'd still be stripped of the medals now. Therefore, retro punishment is a logical question to ask. Juventus had titles stripped for match fix for match fixing, excuse me. And this is Juventus, one of the best clubs in the world. So 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 by he's trying to find relative examples of other situations and he's come up with two completely irrelevant things right he's talking about dodgy money so he brings up the olympics and doping and then he's talking about dodgy money so he brings up 
Juventus and cheating and match fixing. Two things that are completely unrelated to the thing that he's saying that Chelsea are doing, which means it just goes to show he doesn't even have a point to make. His point is so moot and so irrelevant that nobody else is even talking about it apart from us. Like, he's literally like, oh, fucking. Talking about shit pundits and we are going to go this is this is my rant for the show and one thing i did want to bring this up with you there was um I, i'm not i'm not on twitter and the blue day podcast is on twitter and you can find us on twitter at the blue day podcast but jamie Carragher, who i don't think is a great pundit and from what i can gather from certain people he's not a great human being um he put out a tweet saying that thomas tuchel should go to Manchester United with all this uncertainty surrounding Chelsea and how Manchester United would be better for him and everything else. Um, Why is Jamie Carragher talking about us? I do not know. Jamie Carragher, if you do find this one day and someone gives this to you... Be careful what you say. Be careful what you say because he might spit in your little little girl's face. Well, I was going to say, Jamie Carragher, you can fuck right off, basically, with your opinion. No one wants to hear your opinion when it comes to Chelsea Football Club. You was never a good defender. John Terry would eat you alive in regards to defending even... Ricky in the Cavallo. same way that Drog, in the same way that Drogba used to rip in the shreds. There you go, and I think we should talk less about shit pundits and talk about what we think Chelsea Football Club for the future. And we do want to. I would like to end this on a positive note because I went to Norwich on Thursday, and I felt that I had to go because of the way things were going in regards to tickets. It seemed as if with a way to put supporters looking to go to away games this was probably going to be my last chance to go for a long time away from Chelsea so I thought I'd go and it's only two hours uh, by car so I went spoke to a number of Chelsea supporters that were equally as concerned and equally as pretty much worried about what was going on with their club the atmosphere I should say was absolutely outstanding against Norwich City. It, it was. was unbelievable. I know it wasn't on telly, so a lot of people might have just heard well, it. Well, I'm going to say, I, 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 I streamed it, and even though I know that the Chelsea fans are below the main camera, which can sometimes, you know, amplify the atmosphere, mm. it was constant. It was constant throughout the whole game. It was fantastic. It was brilliant at Burnley as well. I must say, all the boys and girls that turned out for the Burnley game, that was absolutely fantastic. I am officially the most hated man in Burnley now, but <laughs> <laughs> such is life. Um, I must say, actually, big shout out to all the Chelsea fans that day. They were fantastic. You know, we we sold our allocation. I know there, there was a little section next to me, which I'm not really sure why, but it's always empty away games. There's like one or two stewards that sit in there. But apart from that, the whole end was packed out. It was a fantastic atmosphere. Um, nobody seemed to get overly frustrated in a frustrating first half when Burnley were pro- probably the the better team they created a few chances and stuff but no the atmosphere was that this is the thing it has brought Chelsea fans an awful lot closer together this that this is what I mean about it. it can be used as a positive like like I've always said to you Keith when Chelsea have got their backs against the wall that's when we do what we do that's when we win things and the reason why we do is because we get our backs against the wall and we unify as a club the fans and the players and the board and everyone comes together and this is what we need to do now we need to be a family again and we need to move forward together. And with that, I can see a positive future. And you look at how 
Chelsea performed against Burnley and resounding 4-0 win, which was superb. And even against Norwich, we scored two goals under 12 minutes with Chalabar and Mount. No coincidence that they are Chelsea players. They came from the academy, for for Christ's sake. You know, fantastic sort of result. First half, we we were outstanding. I thought the football-wise was superb. Second half, we did drop off. I think putting Loftus-Cheek at right wing-back didn't help. It made it a little bit disjointed. Uh, Dave had an injury, though, didn't he? Dave had an injury, um, which will be interesting. Hopefully, he'll be back in time for tomorrow's game. Um, I think that's more of a Reese James game tomorrow. Well, hopefully, if Reese James is available massively. Yeah. But to get the third goal under Kai Havertz in the last minute, the, the relief and joy around the Chelsea supporters was just superb. If I could bottle it and sell it, I'd be rich. And I could maybe even buy a football club on that. It was superb. And yeah, I'm I'm with my good co-host here. I want to thank all the Chelsea fans that were there at Norwich on Thursday for the experience that I gained from that. I don't, I try and do away games as much as I can, but obviously with certain other commitments. But that was a that was a great away day because because of the significance of what's going on at the moment, Chelsea fans, no matter what shit is thrown at us, whether it sticks or not, Chelsea fans will always be there for Chelsea Football Club. We appreciate the history of Chelsea Football Club from the six for fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties to nineties. We appreciate it. And yes, we perhaps have been spoilt with trophies that we've won over the years and the players that we've absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we've been spoilt. But I guarantee you one thing, and I've said this to family, I've said it to my wife, who is probably sick of me talking about Chelsea, and I've even said it to people that I know that are Chelsea fans. Yeah, we might, we could eventually go down to Championship or League One. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it'll happen, but if it did, I guarantee you now, wouldn't matter because we've won it all. And if we go back up, no matter what, Arsenal and Tottenham and all them other clubs will still not win the same amount of trophies that Never. we have done. Never. In short amount of time. <laughs> Arsenal and Tottenham combined in the next 50 years won't win half of what we've won in the last 20 by ourselves. Exactly. So. We're trying to look on it from a positive point. I've said it to a few people about taking it from a day-by-day point. Yesterday wasn't great because of the news of certain establishments suspending their sponsorship deals, or some of them have actually said that they're looking to agree, uh, looking to uphold the sponsorship deals, which is great, which is fine. Um, But yeah, I, I do urge Chelsea supporters that are perhaps a little bit concerned because, again, they're not used to this. We're not used to this, you know, but b- believe you me, there's been Chelsea players that I've spoken to, ex-Chelsea players that I've spoken to, that have told me that the situation that was under Ken Bates' stewardship in regards to the ownership and the uncertainty of Chelsea Football Club, it's a lot worse then than what it is now. Yeah. So that I'm taking... Well, there is genuine concern for the future of the club. You know, we didn't have the financial means to meet our commitments over the summer um, uh, when Roman Bramage came in and bought um, the club from Ken Bates. So it's a completely different situation now. Um, I don't think you can really 
compare the two. I think that this this situation is completely unprecedented. Hmm. It's completely unprecedented. You know, nothing like this has ever happened in football that I'm aware of, certainly not in the Premier League, certainly not in the English leagues, as, as far as I know in my, you know, with my historical knowledge of the game, um, which is fairly extensive. I've never known anything remotely similar, let alone anywhere near the same. So <clears throat> it is completely unprecedented. Nobody really knows how it's going to play out and only time will tell. And during that time, we just got to make sure that we keep the same mentality that we've always had, which is win or lose up the blues. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I think that no matter what is chanted tomorrow at Newcastle, as long as we support the team on Sunday's match, that is the important thing. And then again, we I think it'll be a great atmosphere tomorrow. I think it'll, it'll be a great atmosphere tomorrow. It'll be great because it'll be a sellout. It's not just season ticket holders that will be there. It'll be match day tickets because they were sold before the sanctions yeah. were in place. And it'll be the same for Brentford at home on the 2nd of April. So... We're hoping that this week there'll be some more positive news on Chelsea, that we're hoping that there'll be some light at the end of this long tunnel. It's not a dark tunnel because it's not... It is a little bit doom and gloom, but it's not a complete dark it's tunnel. Almost, it's almost like we're, cro- we're crossing a bridge into the unknown. There you go. Just to, just to cut you in there, Keith, just because but I, I appreciate that we're coming to the end of our time and the end of our recording now. Um, I would just like to say that on behalf of all of the fans of the podcast, because obviously not being a co-host no more, being doing a few more things for you behind the scenes, like the social media and one or two other bits and pieces and stuff and preparing for interviews and stuff. As a fan of the podcast, which I am, and I know that many people are, my friends, my family and strangers all around the world now, the last year or so since I've been on the podcast, the interviews have been absolutely top class. They've been, they've been with top quality guests and the standard of guests has just got higher and higher you've had so many genuine legends of the club that's many many reasons that have been on the show and from being behind the scenes and from being the other side of the laptop and listening to it for once rather than obviously you know taking part in it and everything it's been a real pleasure I think you're doing a fantastic job uh, lots of people have started a lot of people at football matches have started to recognize the blue day podcast and have started to recognize myself and yourself for different reasons and stuff like that people recognize you more for the podcast people recognize me more for other reasons but then we'll save that for another show (laughs) we'll save that for another show um but uh all positive fans all positive all positive but um no um thank you very much for all of your hard work keith it has been a pleasure to be a fan it's a pleasure to be associated with the podcast i take a great honor in the fact that when things like this are happening within the club you immediately offer me a platform to vent my frustrations and my opinions and my passion, stuff like that. Um, and I really, really appreciate it. And long may it continue. Long may the Blue Day podcast become more and more successful in the future and you can achieve more and more of the goals and targets that you set yourself and we set ourselves out when we you know, set out to do the podcast and everything. And long may the success continue on the pitch as well. But no matter what happens, ladies and gentlemen, it's always going to be win or lose up the blues. I don't care whether we're billionaires or ain't got a penny. I don't care whether we're in League Two or in the Champions League final. This is what we do. We are a family. We're a community. We are Chelsea supporters. And let's not forget that. Let's be positive. Let's get a good result tomorrow. Let's support the team. Let's sing Roman's name loud and proud if you think feel this appropriate and win or lose out the Blues. 
And if you wish to follow the podcast more, you can find us wherever you find your favourite podcasts. We are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and ev- ev- everywhere else. As of YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, you- Twitter. YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Find us on Instagram at the Blue Day Podcast. We've got some great images on there, which a lot of people have taken a shine to, so I appreciate that. Find us on Twitter, where we are putting a lot more stuff on there. We are hoping to create some more content to go on Twitter, hopefully. And we are hoping to have a couple more player interviews coming up in the very near future. But as well as a, as well as another interview that just just before you end the show there, Keith, there should be another interview that may take till the end of the year to actually get out for lots of there's lots of logistical issues um at the moment. But we are hoping to bring an exclusive behind the scenes interview that has with information that has never been aired so publicly before. Um, to do with things that have never been put into the public domain that lots of people may find very, very interesting about the club. Like I say, it's going to be pretty exclusive. Um, It's just logistically, it's difficult to put together, but definitely keep an eye out for that one in the coming months. Announcements will be made, of course, but we are in contact with certain people behind the scenes, high profile as well. Um, And there's going to be a lot of interesting opinions and facts that are going to be put across and it's i'm really excited for it obviously we can't say too much like i say there's a lot of legalities and there's a lot of logistics that myself and keith have never had to deal with before so it's brand new for us so we're taking our time with it but keep an eye out for that one look out for the announcement because there is going to be an exclusive interview before the end of the year and that is all i have to say on that one fellow Chelsea supporters we hope you enjoy your weekend if you're there on Sunday cheer the boys on they're going to appreciate it thanks to Warren for being on the show today I appreciate his time pleasure Um, as always Keith pleasure all I can say to you fellow Chelsea supporters is stay safe and carefree Podcast Network.